Delco. What is Delco? Urban Dictionary, maybe the best definition of any place in the history of any place. Delco is the nickname for Delaware County, not just a place to live, it's a way of life. Delco isn't something you obtain with a short visit while you're passing through. Never has been, or don't actually live here, you just won't understand. Delco is something you can spot across the bar while out of town. Speaking of bars, there's 42 to 1 ratio when it comes to bars to libraries. And it's cool to be a 26-year-old bar back. You're just waiting for your build big break. Delco people love being from Delco. I don't know if there's anything special from Delco, except being a Delco guy, I kind of like it. What is up, Delaware County, and welcome back for episode 25 of Delco Baseball Now. My name is Brendan Ricciardi, and we got plenty to talk about this week. We got all of our conferences underway, PCL, Interact, Central League, DelVal. They've all started to play their conference games. Got a little bit of college talk a little bit later. We got a little bit of Phillies. I'm assuming most of you will probably tune this show off by the time the Phillies talk comes on, just because of how frustrating it's been to watch them this year. But I will do my best to, to uh, keep it entertaining and try and find some silver linings. I think you'll find here that I am not one of, I guess you'd call them like the Negadelphians, like the you know people that are always just pessimistic about the teams here. Like I like to try and be as fair as possible, but probably lean a little more optimistic as opposed to uh, pessimistic, just based on you know how much I, I care about them as as a fan. But we uh, we'll, we'll get started here. Uh, well, let's get started here with the Player of the Week Award. Now, right now, it is Monday afternoon. I'm recording this. I, I do my best to try and get these out like before you know the slate of games for the next week. But sometimes, just you know, with my own games and, and schedule everything, it's a bit it's a bit uh, tougher to get that done. So we're gonna start off with the Player of the Week here, and that is Upper Darby's Chris Zapito, who turned in an absolute masterpiece on the mound against Haverford. He threw six and two-thirds innings. He struck out 13 hitters. Struck out 13 hitters. Did not allow a single earned run. And I think the best part about it is that it was the first win in the conference of the season for Upper Darby. Like, that, getting that monkey off your back, going into that game at 0-3 and, and realizing, like, the time to, uh, the time to turn things around is now. Because you don't want to get to a point later in the season where you're scrambling for wins because you, you dug yourself a hole too big to get out of. So we'll talk a little bit more about Upper Darby as a team, but just, you know, an incredible performance from Zapito. I mean, you think about the fact that if you're going six and two-thirds innings pitched, that's 20 outs recorded. 13 of those outs being strikeouts is just dominant. Like I, I'm sure his, uh, his defense behind him was getting pretty bored at, at different points in the game just because they weren't really getting much work, but... He's been awesome this year. He is currently thrown 18 and two-thirds innings pitched. He's got a 1.5 ERA, 33 strikeouts in 18 innings pitched. I'm not a math guy. I don't have a calculator in front of me, uh, so I don't know the percentage, but I'll tell you that that is very impressive. Uh, and, and the fact that 33 strikeouts to nine walks is a great ratio to have. Uh, it's a great start to the year for him. And, you know, I feel bad that this is the third straight pitcher of the week. You know, it's like... It's supposed to be the player of the week, but it's been three straight pitchers, so I'll either have to 
maybe expand to a pitcher and hitter or just, you know, start giving the hitters more love. But the reality is, each of the last three weeks, Van Wilner, complete game shutout. Uh, Pat Ahern, complete game shutout. Chris Zepito, six and two-thirds, you know, zero earned runs and 13 strikeouts. Like, I know it's it's very hard to uh, to surpass that as a hitter, so I'll have to keep my eye out for that. But that's pretty much all I got for the player of the week. Uh, I will try and spread out. We've done a good job at the very least uh, splitting it among conferences. Ryan Getz was the first one, the Interact. So Interact, Central, PCL, and back to Central. All right, for our next segment here, this is a new one here. This is something that I've not done yet so far this year just because it didn't really make sense to to do it yet just because of you know the fact that there hadn't been that many games played. But we're going to start uh, the day off here with the standings check, but we're going to start off with the district standings first. Because at the end of the day, the majority of the teams in this podcast, I mean, even PCL teams are in the PIAA, uh, but every team outside of the Interact is playing in either the District 1 or the District 12, you know, PIAA brackets. Interact is in the PESA. They play, you know, their Interact teams and also other teams like Friends Central and, you know, I think I think maybe Shipley's in that. Like, teams that are outside of the PIAA, the private schools, so... Uh, I will talk about that a little later in the year. It's it's a little too early for that, just because the Interact has only had a couple games. So we're going to start off, we're going to go with the the 6A and the 5A brackets, because for District 1, there are no teams from Delco that are in District 1, 4A, 3A, 2A, and then Delco Christian is in 1A. They are currently in 5th place out of uh, the 7 teams there at 2-1. and one. I don't really know too much about Delco Christian. It's, it's another one of those things like the Del Val League where I just don't have enough people to cover every single team and every single you know level but so we're going to start off here with 5A. District 1 5A, the first place team is Chichester. They currently sit at 5 and 0. They've been dominating their conference so far. They had a big win over Carroll on Monday of last week as well to kind of show that, you know, even though the Del Val League might not be that strong, they can still compete with these other teams that you know, the, the, the Central League teams and the, the Chessmont and, you know, all the teams around here are are playing against. So they currently sit in first place at 5-0. and My understanding, it's different from when I was a senior in 2017. The 5A bracket is 12 teams. When I was here, it was 16 teams, just a normal March Madness bracket. This year, or at least, I don't know how recent this was. It, it happened last year. Looking up the bracket, I realized it was like this. I'm not sure how far back... It goes, but 12 teams make it. One, two, three, and four seeds get a bye, while the other teams play a play-in game. Once that play-in game happens, once you get to the next round, then there's eight teams left, and it's just a normal eight-team single elimination where the two teams in the championship make it to states, and then there's a playback game. So Chichester's in first place. They're 5-0. and Strathaven is in second place. They are 5-1. and They are the runner-up from this tournament last year, and the team they lost to, Upper Dublin, is in third place. They are 4-1. and so we had Delco, the one and two spots right now. Chichester is the only undefeated team left uh, in the 5A. So Chichester's U1, Strathaven's two, Upper Dublin's three, Upper Moreland is four and two. They're in fourth place. Unionville is also four and two. They're tied for fourth, but because of the interesting system they have to rank teams, uh, they're in fifth. Another Delco team, Marple Newtown, is in sixth. They are sitting at four and one. Westchester East from the Chessmont is six and two. They are in seventh. Oxford, also from the Chessmont, they are 4-2, they are in 8th. Phoenixville is your 9th seed, they are currently 3-1, I believe they are in that Pioneer Conference 
like Spring Ford, O&J Roberts, like Boyertown out there. So they are nine. Harriton, another Central League team, is number 10. They sit at three and three. Innerboro, another Delco representative. They come from the Del Valle League. They sit at four and two. And the 12th and final team in the bracket as of right now is Pencrest Lions, another Central League team. So there's a lot of Delco and Central League in the 5A bracket. And you keep going down the list, and the first two teams out, Radnor and Sun Valley. So there's going to be a lot of competition. Springfield's not too far out. It's 16. Um, there's going to be a lot of competition for those last few spots, assuming that they go by the 12. Um, but once again, that's Chichester, Strathaven, 1 and 2, Marple, 6, Harrington, 10, Interboro, 11, and Pencrest, 12 of the Delco team. So you just look right there. That's that's half of the bracket is Delco teams, and that could potentially keep going throughout the, the spring if you... Uh, have a couple late runs. All right, we're going to move up to 6A here where there's a little less Delco because there's a lot of the bigger schools that Delco doesn't quite compare with. So we're going to start off as the one seed. Personally, my favorite baseball stadium in southeastern Pennsylvania that I've been to, that is the Spring Ford Rams. It's where my cousin played. They currently sit at 5-0, the only undefeated team left in the 6A bracket. Methacton in second place, they're 4-1. Avangrove, in third place, they are 6-1. and one. Council Rock South and fourth, they are 3-1. and one. Now, I should have mentioned this earlier. I believe 20 teams make this bracket because there are uh, 39 teams to choose from here. Top 20 make it. The top 12 get a bye week. So once you get through that first round in the 6A bracket, then you're going to be left with 16 teams. So at that point, it's basically just March Madness. Single elimination, 16 through there. So again, we got Springford, Mathacton, Avongrove, Council Rock South at 3-1 there in 4th, Pensbury at 3-1 there in 5th, North Penn 3-1 there in 6th, Souderton 3-1 there in 7th. So at this point, we are through the top 7 seeds of the 6A bracket, and there's not any Delco or Central League representation yet. Conestoga at 8 and Lower Marion at 9. Conestoga's 4-2, Lower Marion's 3-2. That would be a first round matchup as of right now. These are teams that are going to play each other twice in the regular season and could potentially be looking at, it's obviously very early, but could potentially be looking at a first-round matchup. Now, these guys have already played once this season, Conestoga and Lower Marion. That was a Lower Marion 3-2 win on the, I believe that is the first week of the season it is. Uh, so, you know, I would love to, I, I don't know, it's, it's always fun to see teams play for a third time. Uh, let's keep going down here. We got Nashamini at 10. They are 3-2. Owen J. Roberts in 11th at 3-2. We got Plymouth White Marsh. Nice turf field out there. They are in 12th at 3-1. Central Bucks West at 13th. They are 3-1 as well. Wissahickon, 14th. They are 3-2. Coatesville, 15th. They are also 3-2. Downingtown East at 16th. They are 4-3. Perkyoman Valley at 3-2. They are 17th. Running out of room for Delco here. We got Garnet Valley at 18th. They are 3-3, three and three. Council Rock North at 2-2 two and two at 19. And the last team in the bracket, as of right now, is Westchester Henderson. They are 3-5 and five in 20th. Now, Ridley would be the first team out of this potential bracket here, but it does not look like there is going to be a lot of Delco in this 6A bracket right now. 8 seed, 9 seed, 18 seed are all the Delco and Central League representation in 6A. So, as mentioned, you know, 5A is going to be the bulk of it as of right now. A lot of baseball left to play, but that is what we are looking at right now. And this is something that I, I'm just now finding out 
the way that the power ranking system works for PIAA, it's interesting. So to start off, you get five points if you win a conference game. Now, apparently, th- I'm just reading straight off the PIAA website here. So it is one times the winning percentage of your team, You each team you beat, times 10. So basically, the idea is it's trying to factor in like the competition you play in your conference and how you can compare it to the rest of the conferences because when you're when you're trying to make a bracket of teams that have not played against each other you know these out of conference matchups don't really happen that often between teams you know in the central league and teams in like the pioneer and, and teams a little bit a little bit further out there like the uh, like the suburban so it's it's factoring in the winning percentage and then it's the winning percentage of other teams in your league times five. Add all three numbers and divide by the number of league games. I don't know who created this. I'm not saying, like when I say that, I don't mean to say that as if it's a bad you know, formula or it's not going to work or whatever. It's just like, I don't know how you think of that. I don't know how you think of the, the idea of the winning percentage and what formula you get uh, to get there. But, you know, it's not, that's not our job here. Our job is to inform uh, and as of right now, that's how we are looking for the brackets. Now, before I get into just like the regular talk and stuff, I kind of wanted to just do um, the top fives. So on the Delco Baseball Now Instagram and Twitter pages, we will have the you know top five for the standings. My guy, Kieran Doherty, making these awesome graphics for me here. Central League, Interac, and PCL. Now, for anybody listening for DelVal, uh, the problem with DelVal is not all the teams use Game Changer, and they also haven't entered all the games into max preps. So I I can't just like put out, you know, the my the standings when I don't know if, if it's totally accurate or not. What I do know is for the the DelVal, Chichester is five and zero. They have beat second place Interboro twice, big time. So I'm not gonna say that it's over, but you know, as as long as they handle business, Chichester will be in a very good spot. So we're gonna start off with the Central League standings here. In first place, we got my alma mater, Strathaven. They are five and one. Marple Newtown, a half game back. They are four and one. Of course, Marple's only loss was to Strathaven on opening day. Conestoga sits at four and two. Fourth place, Lower Marion at three and one. And we have a tie for fifth place between Pencrest and Garnet Valley at three and three. Moving on to the Interact here, Episcopal, the only two and zero team in the conference right now. After they took down Malvern Prep in a big game on Friday. Uh, Springside Chestnut Hills in second place at 1-0. They've only played one game, so they're half game back. Malvern Prep and Penn Charter both sit at 1-1. And Haverford School is uh, at 0-2 after they lost to Penn Charter and Malvern last week. All right, last but not least, we got the PCL top five here. We got Father Judge, probably the best color scheme in the PCL. Got to love the red and powder blue. They're sitting at 4-0. LaSalle right behind them at 4-1. LaSalle's a team that has been, you know, dominating this conference for a little while. Obviously, Bonner won last year. They've been a very good program. Newman Garetti sitting at 4-1. The only Delco representation for the PCL top five is currently Archbishop Carroll. After they won a absolute roller coaster of a game against Cardinal O'Hara. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, they are sitting at fourth place and fifth place also sitting at 3-1 is Archbishop Wood. All right, so now that we got the standings and the rankings out of the way, 
we are going to just kind of go conference by conference. Just talk a little bit about you know storylines, who's been playing well. Uh, you know, when when you're talking about a league with the Central League where there's 12 teams, nobody wants me to sit here and just go game by game, who won what game, what like that would just take way too long, too many games to remember. I'm kind of gonna just go by more you know storylines, you know surprising results, uh, you know big stats, like anything like that. All right, to get things going with the Central League report for this week, we're going to start off with an awesome moment at Springfield on Friday. They were honoring the life of A.J. Grande, who passed away after a battle with cancer back in the fall. Uh, I, I remember back in, this was 2021, when he had just been recently diagnosed and Strathaven was playing Marple in a playoff game and he threw out the first pitch. I was I was at this game watching and I didn't really know much about it, and, you know, when he showed up. Um but you know it was it was a very emotional moment there, and unfortunately he uh, he passed away back in October. And Springfield was honoring him this week, including the Friday game against Garner Valley. They won in dramatic fashion. It was a six to five win over the defending champion Garner Valley. And you know while I personally didn't know AJ, I don't really have anything you know any anecdotes to say about him. Uh, it seems like you know from what I've read about him, from what I've heard about him, he was a tough kid. Uh, I saw gutsy was the word that the Springfield family used to describe him. And, you know, to be able to to do that, you know, win a game in that type of fashion, a gutsy type of win is definitely something that I know the players on that team and the families in that community are, you know, very, very happy about. And, and it means a lot to them to be able to get that win and, and honor him the way that they would like to do. Uh, in that game, it was, it was a very good game. Uh, Drew Van Horn on Garner Valley, he tried to take, he tried to steal the thunder. He hit two home runs in that game, uh, but Springfield was able to hold on. It was a good week for Springfield. I mean, they were a team that came in, they had not won a single game before this week, before they took down a Lower Marion team that was 3-0. Later in the week, they take down a Garner Valley team who was the defending Central League champion. So it's definitely good. Maybe this will give, you know, this right here will give them the boost that they need, you know, to play. Not saying they weren't, you know, playing in his honor before, but you know, to to carry that momentum going with them. Uh, another surprising result. This was on Friday afternoon. You have a Strathaven team that went into the game five and zero, won every Central League game they played so far, and they're playing a Ridley team who, if you look at the standings, you'll see that they're one and four, but they've lost a lot of very close games so far. And I won't say that Strathaven went in you know, like underestimating them and thinking they had a walk in the park, but Ridley pounded them. It was a 10 nothing game. They scored five in the top of the first, and it's not like it was errors and walks. Like, these guys were hitting the baseball. Every single starter in that game for Ridley had at least one hit. Uh, Brian Cawthorn hit a leadoff home run to right field at Strathaven, which, you know, as, as mentioned, having played there before, that's not a, that's not a short porch. I don't know the exact measurement on it. They've had the numbers like 375 dead center. Like, yeah, right. Like, come on. That, that, I don't know the exact number, uh, but it's it's pretty rare. You know, it'll happen maybe once a year, once, you know, maybe twice a year. Uh, but, you know, that was definitely a statement for Ridley, not just the first inning, but the whole game in general to show that they're better, better than their one and four record says they are. Like the old cliche is you are what your record says you are, but sometimes, you know, you need a little more context than that. Uh, so that's a great win for Ridley, kind of put things together and show what they can do. You know, I mean, losing a couple one-run games, it sucks. But if you believe as a team 
that you know you are better than that record and you play like it you'll have results like this so great win for them they'll look to keep it rolling this week uh, another team that has been red hot this week is marple playing on that gorgeous new turf field uh to quote strathaven assistant coach my old jv coach dave splain it's baseball heaven there uh you know you got the turf field you got the lights you got the bleachers i was told it's almost unrecognizable in terms of you know realizing like this is what marple you know comparing it from what it used to look like to what it looks like now uh it's it's awesome and they've now won four in a row since they lost to strathaven on opening day they had a walk-off win over pencrest uh, among those this week, I know Aiden Pearson has been red hot uh, on the mound as well as with the bat. I know he had a leadoff triple in that extra inning, uh, or not in that extra inning, in the walk-off win over Pencrest. Uh, Marple is a team that, you know, every year, man, they're just always rock solid. Like, are they going to be the best team in the Central League every year? No, but they were a team that when I was in high school, I always hated playing just because... A, they talk more shit than any team in the Central League. I I stand by that. Uh, but they can back it up, and they do back it up. And as the only team from Delco to ever win a PIAA state championship, you know they have that confidence as a program. So uh, they've moved all the way up to second in the conference, and I'm very excited to see when Marple and Strathaven meet up again now that they'll have a couple more games under their belt. All right, moving on to what might be my favorite individual moment from this week. You have a very young Radnor team taking on a Conestoga team that is near the top of the standings. And you have an inside-the-park home run by Andres Cruz that ended up being the difference in the game. Uh, Inside-the-park home run remains probably the most exciting play in baseball. I don't think that you know there's there's too much to argue just because like no plays really go on for much longer than that it's always you know off the bat like uh, I think the game was at Radner I know it's really deep at Radner um but you know off the bat if you have a guy that can run like you you start to get excited like when JT Romuto did in the playoffs against the Braves like the second that ball hit the wall and Joe Davis said like JT can run for days or something and and uh you know and you could hear the crowd so to be able to win a game like that is awesome and that's a big win for a Radnor team that I know is very young, uh, you know every team's going to try and win every year. But you know, you know when you're a coach, like you know, some years can be a little bit more for developing players and and you know figuring out who's going to be a part of the core. I know assistant coach Ank Recco, I play with in the summer. We've been talking about this Radnor team, and you know any any wins you can get over over big teams is like they've beaten Pencrest and they've beaten Stoga. That's two teams in the top five right now, and and that'll bring a lot of confidence. All right, well, speaking of Stoga, I do want to give them a quick shout-out here before we wrap up the Central League talk for the week. Uh, we got the Queasy brothers. Uh, I made the mistake of not realizing over Game Changer that they were two different people uh, during one game because, you know, I, I looked through the box score, like, you know, the play recaps, and I just see Jay Queasy. And then, you know, I, I started to combine them together as one person when I would, I would write my recaps, and then I... You know, I realized, I'm like, wait a minute, there is one in the leadoff spot and one in the cleanup spot, which I didn't notice until I looked at the actual box score. But both of these guys are having awesome starts to the year. So you have John as a senior. He's committed to Randolph-Macon, very good Division three school. I think they're somewhere in the top 10 right now. I remember talking to one of my friends about them before. Really good D3 program. He is hitting 318. He's got two homers on the year. He's got an OPS near 1,100. 
Uh, and then you got James. James is a sophomore. He's hitting 435 out of the leadoff spot right now. He's got an 1132 OPS. He's got three doubles. Uh, you know, there aren't too many brother combos that are playing in the area right now. There's a couple, but there aren't too many. And the fact that they've been arguably the two best hitters on Conestoga throughout the season is really impressive. Uh, and, you know, Conestoga, 4-2 and two right now. They're in that top five as well. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to see a nice little playoff run. I don't know. It's always cool seeing brothers play. With that being said, it's way more fun to see them play against each other, which is what we get to see in the Delco League a lot when kids join, you know, more to play with their friends, like once they're out of high school as opposed to just, you know, where they're from. All right, we are moving on to the Interact talk here. Uh, man, there was a lot of action in just two days' worth of games. Uh, you know, now for the Interact, I can take a little bit of a different approach than I do to the Central League. I also like the PCL, where I can actually talk more about individual games just because there are so few teams. There's only two teams from Delco, and then Malvern you know, has a bunch of Delco guys on it, so they'll get grouped in here as well. But we'll start off the week rivalry game state championship rematch we had malvern prep taking on the haverford school and that was a great game that that was a great game boston college commit mason clark set the tone he had a three-run homer in the bottom of the first inning for malvern game was deadlocked for a little bit at three nothing haverford got three back in the fifth on a single from mark quatrani and rbi ground outs from sean doherty and ian white so that game went to extras at three three and uh, we had some Delco on Delco crime when Tim Dickinson, Delco native and St. Joe's commit, walked it off with a scorching ground ball that found the hole in between first and second in the bottom of the eighth inning to give Malvern an opening day win. You know, a little taste of revenge. I don't think the revenge will taste that good until they uh, they potentially beat him in the playoffs again where it really gets exciting. But regardless, it's, you know, it's a great win to start the year. Uh, kind of try and put last year behind you. Uh, the, you know, there was some great pitching for both both teams in this one. Uh, Fred Jordan started the game for Haverford. He let up two hits, including that homer in the first, and then allowed just one hit over five shutout innings after that. I mean, it's really impressive just to have the composure to be able to put that behind you. You know, you let up a three-run homer to a good player in the first inning against a lineup like that, and it can be very easy to let it snowball and kind of, you know, have you rattled for the rest of the game. But to be able to keep your team in it you know, keep him off the board for the rest of the time you're on the mound is very good stuff from Fred Jordan. And he was matched by Charlie O'Shell, who kind of had a different, you know, almost almost the opposite, where he started the game absolutely dominant for the first four innings, and then Haverford put a couple on him in the fifth. So, you know, same thing right there. He just had that one, you know, not great inning that kind of probably in his eyes, you know, turned the start sour. Uh, but in the end of the day, his team was able to be victorious. Trey Tiffin was dominant out of the pen. He threw two perfect innings, struck out five of the six hitters he faced, which really gave Malvern the boost, and they were able to walk it off in the bottom of the eighth and improve to 1-0 in the Interact as Haverford fell to 0-1. Elsewhere, on Tuesday in the Interact, Episcopal took down Germantown. They took him down in extras. Uh, Derek Vole started the game. He allowed just one run through four and two-thirds. Mike Cadden and Timmy Dennis were also great out of the bullpen. They threw the other three and two-thirds with no earned runs allowed and just two hits. Now, Timmy Dennis is a freshman, by the way, uh, so a lot to be excited about with him uh, in the Churchman faithful. This game was 2-2 two to two going into extras when Cornell commit Tyler Beaulieu. I think that's how it's pronounced, Beaulieu. I don't know. I'm going to say Beaulieu. 
I'm sure I'm not the first person to get that one wrong. Uh, <laughs> he singled to make it 3-2. to two. A couple more runs were added on. Jake Verbitsky, Brad Johnston both had RBI groundouts, and Zach Latour added the finishing touches with another single. Uh, you know, that's uh, the uh, the definition of insurance runs right there, right? Like, you get up 3-2 to two in the eighth, you feel confident, but you don't want to go with only a one-run lead into the bottom of the eighth. So to be able to kind of add those on, gave them some breathing room, and uh, Timmy Dennis, you know, got, got that win in the bag. But I know both teams were really knowing, you know, that the test for EA and Malvern was on Friday. And I will tell you what, this game was loud. I was watching this game on Game Changer because I'm still Penn State, and I, I can't, you know, truly report on the atmosphere there. But, man, it sounded loud. And I, I think anyone on Malvern will tell you that while it might not have been, you know, the reason they lost the game, it played a part. Having that energy and having the fans there, like you, you see with the Phillies, like it's always, you know, the home field advantage. Like you're, you know, you're a, a high school kid on the mound and you're getting, you know, just abused by all these Episcopal students. And, you know, whether you wanted to or not, it, it plays some effect. Some guys it doesn't, some guys it does. But it seemed like in this game, it, it really, really played a, you know, factor. And uh, we'll talk about the pitching this game. Logan Correll for Episcopal and Tag Davis for Malvern. And Logan Correll, he was just a little bit better. He threw in this game, Correll threw four and two-thirds innings in this game. He allowed just one run. Tag Davis threw, I believe, three innings in this game. He let up three runs. Didn't seem like he had uh, the command that he would usually have in this one. Uh, and, and Logan Correll just got the best of him. Also, once again, the Episcopal bullpen locking things down. Michael Cadden threw two and a third innings. He just only allowed a walk. Uh, and, and that's really what's going to help you out. Like any team can win in high school having one or two good starting pitchers. But if you have multiple guys you can put in late in the game after your starters have kind of hit their pitch count, like that's that's really going to be the difference. And on the offensive side of the ball, Alex Barrist, he stayed red hot. He had some big hits in this game. Ryan Tansky had two runs batted in as well for the Churchman. Uh, all of the scoring in this game was done in the fourth and fifth inning by both teams. Very interesting. 0-0 after three. They score one in the top of the fourth. EA responds with three right away. Malvern gets one right back. They cut the lead in half. But again, EA, they, they steal that momentum. They went with two in the bottom of the fifth to make it 5-2. And they and they took that and ran with it. And I think that, you know, when you look back on this game, you'll look at the fact that Malvern got momentum in the top of the inning. And EA came back with bigger innings in the bottom. So that's really the difference in this game. And that sends EA to 2-0 on the year. And Malvern to 1-1. One one. Alright, last game of the week here. We saw the defending Pace of State champ Haverford School. They fell to 0-2 in the Interac. Uh, they lost to Penn Charter. They actually led this game 6-5 heading into the 6th inning. Penn Charter scored 9 runs in the final 2 innings off the Ford's bullpen to take it 14-7. I don't really have too much to say for this one, but Haverford walked 10 Penn Charter hitters. And that's just not a good recipe for success. Uh, if you remember last year, Haverford actually went three and seven in the interact before the championship so obviously that's not you know a model that you want to repeat and rely on but I, you know with that being said it's also not quite time to hit the panic button after such a good start to the season out of conference all right that'll wrap things up for the interact report here let's take a look real quick at the upcoming matchups for this week haverford will take on springside chestnut hill on tuesday ea will travel to Penn Charter, and Germantown will take on Malvern on Thursday. Just got one game. That's Haverford heading to Germantown. And on Friday, we got Chestnut Hill heading to Episcopal, and Penn Charter will head to Malvern.
All right, last but not least, we got the PCL here. Oh, man, the PCL game of the week, maybe even game of the year, was O'Hara and Carroll on Thursday. But for chronological order's sake, we will save that one for the end. We're going to quickly talk about Bonner, who has surprisingly had a rough past week hitting the baseball. Now, granted, they faced a great pitcher from Father Judge. They faced David Rodriguez, who's committed to St. John's. I think he was perfect through five innings, maybe even longer. He ended up with a complete game shutout and just two hits allowed in this one. And he got Kevin McGonigal to go 0 for 3. The top four in the order, as a matter of fact, for Bonner, when it combined 0 for 12 with six strikeouts. Just an incredible performance by Rodriguez in a 6 to nothing judge win. Now that's a bit of an easier pill to swallow than a 2-1 to loss to Roman Catholic on Thursday. Kevin McGonigal and Harry Carr had four out of the team's five hits. But, you know, having only seven hits in a week and one run is definitely, I would say, definitely just a shock to say the least, for a team that went undefeated in the PCL last year. I said on the show last week that I felt like pitching would likely be the team's weakness this year, just based on guys not having the experience and you're losing Mike Anderson and um, and Kevin Hendrick. But the the fact that, you know, they haven't really been scoring the you know as many runs as they had even earlier in the season is definitely, I don't know if I'd say alarming, but definitely just, you know, surprising. Uh, they'll have three games this week to try and get the bats going. So we will definitely, uh, definitely keep an eye out for that. Too much talent on that team for them to be held down for too long. All right, we had Cardinal O'Hara was also a victim to Roman Catholic on Wednesday. They lost 7-6. to six. Nate Everett and Noah McMullen both drove in two. It was actually a really crazy game uh, because going into the sixth inning, Roman actually led 4-2. to two. O'Hara scored four in the sixth to make it a 6-4 lead, and then Roman scored three in the bottom of the sixth to take the lead, and they would hold it from there. Great, great battle. Once again, O'Hara showing that this team is so much more talented than last year. Even when they're losing, they are still playing good baseball. They're still making it competitive, uh, and they are they are definitely, definitely on the rise. With that being said, we're going to get into a game where they lost. Uh, it was against Archbishop Carroll, but it was 11-10. This game was crazy. So O'Hara and Carroll were playing. It was at O'Hara. Carroll went up 10 to 4. Now, each of the first seven half innings were run scoring innings. The first inning, second inning, third inning, and the top of the fourth. All were run scoring innings. After those seven half innings, it was 10 to 4 Carroll. O'Hara responded for six runs in the bottom of the fifth. So what was a 10 to 4 game is now a 10 to 10 game. And then Carroll responded with one in the top of the sixth on a wild pitch. Uh, Michael McCaffrey scored on a wild pitch to go ahead 11-10. And you'd think a game with that much action would have more runs in the last inning. But unfortunately, that was not the case. It was a shutout seventh inning for both teams. Just just looking around in this game, James Wright drove in two. Dom Vanini drove in three. You know, there was production all over the place in this one. You had uh, Paulie Daly driving in three for O'Hara. Uh, but both of these teams have been playing pretty good ball so far. Look a little bit O'Hara. James Brown's been awesome this year. He's hitting 500. We have Dylan Gallagher having a great year, 333. Michael McCaffrey also 333. Jack Bateman 321. It's just a rock solid team of uh, of hitters right there for them so far. As for Cardinal O'Hara, we have uh, Nate Everett hitting 333. Jimmy Coppock 318. Paulie Daly 318. You know. From what I'm seeing for both of these teams, you know, I've never seen either of these teams play in person. Just a little over game changer is they both just have a lot of real solid hitters. You know, they don't necessarily have like 
the uh, you know like a top heavy type lineup where they're relying on one or two people. They've been pretty balanced so far. So nice win from Carroll there, eleven to ten game of the year. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll do some type of awards like back uh, at the end of the season and just look back on the best games of the year, best individual performances, all that kind of stuff. You know, Donnie Delco awards, uh, something to keep in mind. So that's all I got for the PCL uh, this week. Very eventful. Uh, you know, it's there's not two, I believe there's three Delco on Delco games because Bonner and O'Hara, Bonner and Carroll, and Carroll and O'Hara. So one out of the three has already been exciting. Uh, so I can't wait for the other two. All right, we also got in our high school coverage. Uh, I guess I'll kind of lump these together because they they're they're rivals. So I think it'd be really funny to do that. Uh, the Chichester and Sun Valley reports. So the reason I I have this in here is because right now it's just hard to get information on the Del Val teams at, for Chichester. You know, th- there's no game changer. I don't get the stats. You know, not all the scores are up. But Chichester is a team that is 100% worth talking about right now. You know, I just I feel bad for them because they're they're going to get a high seed in districts like we know, and and people are just going to think it's because of the conference. But you know, this is a good team. They beat Carroll 13 to four, who we just talked about. They beat Interboro, the second best team of the conference and usual playoff team, nine to three and ten nothing. Their offense is humming. It hasn't been just one person. Cole Sanford's hitting 533. Stephen Kennard's hitting 500. Jason Hankins, not Josh. I won't make that mistake again. Jason Hankins. Is hitting 476. Troy Neff, 444. Josh Claycomb, 350. You know, this is a very good team. And the reason I lumped these two together is because Sun Valley is kind of in its own world as well because they are the only Delco team in the Chessmont. They're playing exactly 500 ball right now. When I say exactly, I mean they've gone win, loss, win, loss, win, loss so far in the Chessmont. So if there was a Delco baseball sports book, which off the record could make a million dollars if I started. I would bet on them to win their next game. That's all I have to say. Shout out to Icon Jones. He's committed to Cal U. He's hitting 500 so far. Justin Hickman's hitting 333. Pat Wiley's having a good year as well. Josh Lillis on the mound has been a horse for this team. He's a misericordia commit. He's thrown 19 innings. The next highest on the team are 10 and 7. So he's gotten the bulk of the work. He struck out 34 guys in those 19 innings with a 1.42 ERA. So heck of a start for him. And Sun Valley, as we talked about earlier, is right in the middle of things in the Chessmont and District 1. So that's kind of that's kind of my spiel for them. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely keep tabs on them. They lost to Avangrove this week. They beat Kennett. We'll see if they can uh, continue the pattern of win-loss, win-loss the whole year. That was a lot of high school coverage right there. So for the rest of the show, we're going to keep things a little more short with the college and the Phillies because I want to talk about them. I just don't have as much time to, you know, really, really do too much besides just kind of what I see, you know, shared on Twitter or Instagram or whatever about these guys. We'll start off Andrew Yates, my guy from Widener, the Mac Commonwealth Player of the Week. His Widener team hit seven home runs in one game against Eastern. He had two of those. That's not exactly a small field either, especially when you're hitting those balls to right center. Uh, so seven homers is, is pretty Pretty uh, pretty good accomplishment. Yates, nice job with the player of the week there. We had Jared Sweeney, uh, switch hitter for Lehigh. He's from Havertown. He went to Shipley. He had a big opposite field home run to give Lehigh the lead late in their game this weekend. Jack O'Reilly, Episcopal grad, has been red hot for Villanova. He had a couple of homers this weekend as well for the Wildcats. Uh, quick shout-out to Westchester. Luke Cantwell and Johnny DiMucci both have four home runs on the year now. Luke missed some time, too. 
Westchester is 22 and 12 on the year. Luke have on this week. Uh, they will take on East Stroudsburg next week, next weekend. All right, wrapping up the show here. We got our Phillies talk here. And when you think about the Phillies right now, you have to start with Bryson Stott because this is his first year as a full-time starter. He has a 16-game hitting streak to start the year. Tied for the longest in the history of the Phillies with Puddinhead Jones. That's how far back you want to go. Puddinhead Jones is who we're comparing him to back in like earlier in the 1900s. He is seemingly transitioning. We have a shortstop playing second base is the way I look at it. We have two shortstops in the infield. Really is the best way to look at it. Um, He's been awesome. Brandon Marsh also. Brandon Marsh should play every day. I don't care if it's a lefty. I don't care if it's a righty. I don't care if it's the guy on Mississippi State who throws with both arms. He's hitting 378. He's got a 1,200 OPS. He's homered off both. He has extra base hits off both. I don't know what the guy has to do to show the Phillies that he is the guy for center field. Christian Pache is not good at baseball. If you want to use him as a defensive replacement, if Schwarber or Cassianos are in the outfield in a close game, fine. Use him as a pinch runner, fine. He should not start over Brandon Marsh except for like the rest days, you know. Um, what else we got? Oh, Bryce Harper playing first base. Now, this is something that I have kind of thought about for a little bit. I just didn't think it would ever actually happen. Once I saw Matt Gelb from The Athletic like tweet that it could actually happen and, and wrote that story, I was intrigued because he wants to get on the field as early as possible. He wants to be able to contribute because he watches this team every night and knows they need him, especially with Reese out for the year. They need him. And if he can play first base to kind of just give this lineup a little more flexibility to be able to have you know the DH spot open, to be able to have you know, the outfield rotation going and to not have to start Cody Clemens against right-handed pitching is something that I think Harper realizes is best for the team. And it's not a slam dunk to work, but you also think like Hoskins was pretty bad at first in the playoffs, right? Like the bar for Harper to hit is not incredibly high. And I just think of the scene from Moneyball where they're visiting Chris Pratt, you know, Scott Hatterberg and, uh, they tell him that they don't want him to catch anymore. They want him to. They want him to play first base for the A's. And Brad Pitt says something like, "You know, first base is easy. Tell him, Wash." And he goes, "It's extremely difficult." That's what I think of. Like, there's going to be some growing pains there, uh, but he's obviously getting his work in now. His BP swings look awesome, so I'm, I'm optimistic it'll be at the very least at DH earlier than we think, especially with Derek Hall out for a little while. Edmundo Sosa should be playing more over Clements too. But, you know, the best possible nine, it probably has Harper at first. Also, the rotation has been pretty bad. I don't know if it's a, depict, a pitch clock adjustment thing, being tired from a, a deep run in November last season or what, but Aaron Nola's ERA is almost six. Wheeler's at four. Walker's at 420. Bailey Falter's at 480. The only good starter this team has had so far is Matt Strom, and he is a relief pitcher usually. And he left the game with a blister. The guy they call Stromboli has been awesome on the mound. But they need Ranger Suarez back. They can hopefully get Andrew Painter back. But they need Wheeler and Nola to be the guys they were last year in St. Louis. The guys they were uh, in Atlanta. Like, you know, they need depth. Because their bullpen is not good enough to be pitching four innings every night. That's just That's just reality. Jose Alvarado might apparently be like the best bullpen pitcher to ever live. 
struck out 11 straight hitters throughout the last week or so. Um, and it just looks like such an uncomfortable at bat when you face him. If you're a lefty, just like don't even step in the box. Strike one, strike two, good luck, right? It's it's painful to watch some of these guys so far. Well, that is all I have for this show today. Uh, man, that's a, that's a lot of baseball, a lot of content here uh, so far. And you know, this I think I'm kind of starting to realize is going to be the the style of the show for a little bit because interviews are just very tough for me because like my games and and stuff are usually on the weekends. These guys play during the week. It's it's tough to organize interviews. I don't want to you know set the bar at the point where everybody just like expects an interview during a week and then we're just not able to make it happen. So once, you know, once I graduate this spring and have a little more free time, I will definitely get back into the interviews more. But for right now, I'm, I'm liking this style. I like just going conference by conference so people can, you know, if they're in a rush, just tune into what they want to hear. I won't be offended. I promise. As always, you can follow the account at Delco baseball on Instagram and Twitter, just Delco baseball. Now on Facebook, you can find this podcast, Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and our website. But as always, thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next week.